Okay, today's scripture reading comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. It's page 559 in your pew Bibles. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. This is the word of the Lord. Before we start on that passage, I, I want to invite a friend up. Uh, Stephanie, are you here? Stephanie. She's going to share a little bit. Um, Stephanie went out to the homeless encampments, um, our first one, uh, several weeks ago. So wanted her to share, as a mom, uh, that experience, as well as just kind of share her story a little bit. And also kind of lay the groundwork before we enter into Ecclesiastes 11 about some of the topics that we're going to be covering uh, here. So welcome, Stephanie. So um, just a preview in Ecclesiastes 11. It's a little bit different from other chapters in Ecclesiastes because the other ones, if you are a cynic or a pessimist, you really liked those chapters. And so we planned these services well in advance. And so 11 was aimed for Mother's Day because it's a little bit more cheerful and a little bit more uplifting. So we, we didn't want to have a downer on Mother's Day. So here we are, Ecclesiastes 11, Mother's Day. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about is how Ecclesiastes 11 encourages us to go for it, to, to, to go for things. And we're, we're called to this sense of generosity and resourcefulness and so I asked Stephanie to share about the experience of visiting the homeless encampments and that kind of go for it mentality. Do you want to pass the question? Just read it. You can just okay. so, so Stephanie um, <laughs> so, is. I'm nervous. I just drank way too much coffee, too. <laughs> And this okay. is your, the second okay. time you've yeah. done public speaking, okay. the first one being the first service. Yeah. So she's, so she's, she's nervous. Um, okay. So you All right. uh, I'll go for it. Okay. My husband, Nick, and I had been looking for a new church home for a while. And in our prayers to find that new home, our biggest one was for the Lord to lead us to a place that not only cared for its members, but reached out and helped the community. 
We needed a place where we could wholeheartedly serve. When we found out about the homeless outreach, after like the third service we attended, we knew that was the answer to our prayer. We couldn't turn our backs on something we had been asking God to lead us to. We knew that we were going to find a way to attend the event, whether it was together or separate, if we couldn't find a sitter. We're blessed to have an amazing neighbor who encouraged us to go and was thrilled to watch the kids for us. To be honest, I was nervous about doing it because we knew no details as to exactly what we were going to be doing or even what time we were going to be home that evening. I think for a minute I even thought about not going because I was nervous we would get home too late and it would take up too much of our neighbor's time and mess up her kids' bedtimes. I reminded myself, though, that it would all be fine and we needed to take this opportunity to go do something like this together as a couple. Another thing Ecclesiastes 11 uh, speaks about is not letting uncertainty paralyze us. And thinking about how many opportunities have we lost out on because we, things are just not certain and we can't step forward with those things. So how are we making the most out of our opportunities? And so I, I, I wanted Stephanie to share a little bit about her uh, background as being a Coast Guard family. Um, she's married to a Coastie. And so may you share with us about kind of this life of adventure? Yeah. Uh, one thing that the Coast Guard has taught us is that nothing is for certain and we must adapt to all circumstances. Things change for us sometimes on a weekly basis and we have no choice but to work through it. My biggest obstacle with being here at our current duty station is that Nick has gone seven to eight months out of the year. I get told a lot, I don't know how you do it or people just feel sorry for me. Of course, this lifestyle is hard, and it's not for everyone, but I can't let the uncertainty of where tomorrow bring, will bring us stop me from following what God is calling me to do today. I remember when we left our last duty station, I was having a hard time accepting the fact that, fact that we were leaving. I had a good friend who was a retired Marine wife tell me that every time they moved, she would look at it as an extended mission trip. What she said kind of stuck with me, and I learned to not let my circumstances get in the way of being a blessing to others. Ecclesiastes 11.5 tells us, As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones of the womb of a woman with a child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. That to me is a reminder that even though there is so much uncertainty in life, we have to have faith and trust that God knows how everything will end up and will all work out the way it's meant to. The outreach is not something you've done before, or this particular one. And so we're, in Ecclesiastes 11, we're encouraged to try new things and that we can't experience breakthroughs without taking some risks. So did you experience any breakthroughs during this outreach? Uh, before this, the most I've ever done is given someone food while waiting at a red light. This experience was so great because we got to really see the joy it can bring to someone that is homeless when a person shows kindness towards them. I could tell that some of them were just so grateful to have us there. I think the biggest breakthrough I had during the evening didn't come from one of the homeless people that we gave food to while out on the street, but it came from one of the guys from city team that was with us during that time. We basically caravan to different encampments throughout the city to hand out food and hygiene items and offer prayers. Along with the volunteers of from church, there were a few guys going through the program at City Team with us that were homeless literally a few months ago. As we were on our way to one of the encampments, one guy said, I used to love it when I'd see a bunch of do-gooders show up. 
We laughed a little, and, he, and I asked him how it felt to now be a do-gooder. His face lit up, and he said, man, it really does feel so good. Not long after that short conversation, he also got a call for a job offer at Goodwill. I could tell he was so excited about it and started talking about all the things he needed to do before his first day. That quick moment in time in that van with those guys made me realize that what a lot of these people need is just hope and to see that there are people out there that really do care and genuinely want to help them. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, our, our future's unsure. We, we do know that God is in control. Um, he knows where we are. He calls us into obedient, faithful action uh, when things are uncertain, when things are less than ideal. And just any closing remarks that you have for us? When I was trying to think of a way to close this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16 kept coming to mind. It reads, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light, light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That verse is confirmation that we must answer God's call no matter the circumstances or what doubts we have. We can't hide our light out of fear of the unknown or because right now is just not the right time. We have to let others see it so that they can know what it's like to experience the love of Jesus. Let me uh, pray for uh, specifically for Stephanie and, and moms. Um, God, thank you uh, for Stephanie's story and her experiences. Um, I pray your spirit would speak to us through Ecclesiastes 11, that moms are encouraged this morning. And I also want to lift up um, folks who have um, strange relationships with their mothers and praying for a time of reconciliation and restoration for those who uh, do have that strain, that today may be a step in that direction, or at least facing in that direction, a posture and intention to restore and reconcile relationships. I also want to lift up, God, those who are um, trying to have children and uh, struggling with uh, that happening. Um, just a really, really challenging time, God. And so I want to lift up those families um, that they are indeed not less than or anything like that, that, God, you see the wonderful value that they each have. And I pray, God, um, for your blessing upon them, for your encouragement to be upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so last week when we were looking at chapter 10, that was more of um, a proverb uh, type chapter, uh, a bunch of different little proverbs within there. Chapter 11's quite different in that there's some innovative thoughts in there. There's some this this thought of adventure, this thought of being bold to enjoy life. And so let's just jump right in and, and start looking at it. Verse 1, cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. This actually at first reading does not sound true at all. It actually seems kind of odd because when you grab that loaf of bread and you go to Lake Merritt and you start throwing that bread out there, you have all of these decrepit, sickly-looking birds attack the bread. 
and um, maybe it's because of the bread you're feeding them. I don't know. But um, either that or if there is no bird, the unlikelihood that there is no bird there, the bread just kind of disintegrates. It, it gets lost. So what is this thing about like throwing it out there and it's going to return back? This is really, really odd. So here's the fascinating statement that this is. And this is what Kohelet, the preacher, the author, is writing about. It's that it's this unlikelihood that is so amazing. This unlikelihood that is so powerful, this picture. It's what God does when we cast out what God has given us. So when we cast out things of our life, our gifts, our resources, skills, time, effort, energy, that when we cast those things out, that we will re- those things will return. So what is that verse telling us? It's saying, go for it. Do it. Jump. I mean, like, go do that thing to, to go for it, that we can't possibly get a return on investment if there was never an investment made. That going for it is wiser than hoarding these resources just for ourselves. That there needs to be this risk in exercising faith, this call to generosity and to resourcefulness, to go into that deeper water, and and we don't always have to just play things safe and just hoard that bread for ourselves. Now, when we serve people in our community, we don't have the expectation that we will get anything back in return. There there are really, really awesome things that are happening right now uh, with the addition of different staff members and the different energy that's coming up with people serving in the homeless communities and and, uh, in the refugee community. And in the past couple of weeks, there's just been these awesome stories um, that have been popping up. And I'll I'll just share with you about one individual um, that just a few weeks ago, this individual uh, was approached by Billy, our, our outreach director, and and Billy invited him to go into a recovery program, which he did. And the interesting story about this gentleman is that he himself is a refugee who's also homeless now. And he came over many, many years ago. And the reason why he came over was he was forced to be a child soldier in Ethiopia as a teenager, forced to carry an AK-47 and a handgun and to kill people at age 15. He didn't want to do that, so he walks four days to Kenya, and he escapes and he gets to Kenya, and so now he's here, had a family here, and son's a successful lawyer now in San Francisco, but he, he had a substance problem, and so he's been living in these encampments, and he's been estranged from his son for about eight years now, hasn't spoken to him a word. Reason being is because the son was visiting him at these homeless encampments and was just in tears because he had the means to support his dad and get him out of recovery and inviting him back home and things like that, but his dad didn't want to go, and they finally had a parting where, you know what, I don't want you visiting here anymore because all you do is cry. So they haven't spoken for eight years. The beautiful thing is that now that he is of sane mind and he's received Jesus and Jesus has transformed his life and he's working out how he's going to reconnect with his son now, and he's been sober for several weeks since he's been in the program. And now he's actually going to the encampments with our teams to share. Many of you have volunteered for these things. I think there was 11 of you last night that went out to the homeless encampments to hear the story and to serve the refugee community. And I don't think any of us expect anything in return, but, but the scriptures to tell us, they tell us to cast our bread upon the waters. 
Throw it out there. Now, if you've attended any of our regeneration community classes, you've probably heard in our first class this idea of the quadrilateral of justice. That in the Old Testament, this, this is what kind of frames our lens in terms of how we look at what we do here. That this quadrilateral of justice includes the sojourner or stranger or alien. It includes the refugee. It includes the poor. And it includes the fatherless or the orphan. And we look at many, many Old Testament verses have this grouping together, but the one that we look at is Zechariah chapter 7, starting in verse 9, it reads this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, there's our quadrilateral, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. So that's kind of the lens that we operate with here. So why do we desire to deepen our commitment towards refugees and the homeless community is because for us, the sojourner, refugee, the homeless, the poor, is, is kind of obvious to us in terms of that grouping. Now, of course, there are many, many, many other communities out there that can fit into this grouping, but this is what we're focusing our efforts and resources to at the moment. Now, you may have different communities that you're called to serve and and I encourage you to pursue that in the Spirit. As the Spirit leads you to go for those things, we are right here, right now, and we're actually seeing the fruit of investing into these ministries for us. And these are the things that we've been praying about, and these are the things we're being led to, and people are hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're being freed from their bondage. Families are getting restored. People are getting set free from addiction. They're feeling loved by our church and care from our church, and they're asking to come into our communities and to be part of our life. So this is the direction we're going. Now Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. It's along the lines of casting out our bread to that water, right? that we don't expect to see what we cast out again. But Solomon tells us, you know, there's a, there's a reward. There's no expectation for us to receive anything back. We, we do things out of love. We do things out of righteousness and justice. But if we are going to get something in return, that's great. I'll take it. Right? We're, we're doing good. But it's not simply just doing good. It's something that lasts longer than a meal. We're sowing the seed of the word of God. And so that meal that was initially brought to that gentleman in a, in a homeless encampment that transformed his life, it was not the meal that transformed his life. It was Jesus that did that. He went into recovery not because of a burrito that was handed to him. And he didn't reconcile or have a desire to be reconciled with his family because of a, a meal. And so for years, people, including his own son and, and other family members, have been trying to get him into a program, have been trying to get him off the streets, and they've offered him money to do that, and they've offered him all the resources. It hasn't worked for him for decades. For decades. But then here's a team out from our church that goes out in the name of Jesus, sowing the seed of the word of God and doing good, and he finally says, yes to complete strangers. We didn't know him before this. He says yes. 
And so these gentlemen who entered this city team program are now going with regeneration to these encampments and their testimonies are just of encountering Jesus. And they're powerful because they were right there with those guys living on the street just a couple weeks, a couple months right before. And these people are recognizing something's different about you. You're, you're, you're different. And then they can share with them the transformation that Jesus put on their life. That their, their addictions, their bondages to that addiction have been broken just from several weeks ago with decades of struggle that Jesus set them free. That Jesus changes lives. And so we, we sow seed. This is, this is what we do as followers of Jesus. And sometimes we don't hear about what happens with that seed we've sown for, for many, many years. You know, several years ago, there was this really, really bright international student from Cal who came for graduate studies. She was at uh, the business school at, at Cal and um, Haas. And so she came to our church. She was invited to the church, and so she started coming to the, our church, and she was wicked smart. She, she was really smart. She was really intimidating to me to talk to because she's just so smart. And she had so many questions for me. And so every time she had these questions for me and we'd meet up and we'd talk about these things, she'd ask me all these questions about the Bible. And I didn't even know if what I was saying made any sense at all because all she did was stare at me. And I wasn't getting any affirmation whatsoever. There wasn't a smile. There was no head nod. There was nothing. It was just like straight staring through me. And so I had no idea if anything, but then she kept asking to come back and had more questions and wanted to keep meeting. And so we did this for quite a while as she was a student. And so she finished her degree. I didn't hear anything about her except like, oh, I'm leaving. I finished my degree. Thank you. And then she left. And so I was like, okay, great. Um, God bless and great. So she goes back to her country where she's not allowed to openly practice being a Christian. And she goes back there, and then a few years later, she comes back. But she's not even coming back to the Bay Area. She, she came back to the East Coast, but she wanted to come back to this church because she wanted to ask more questions and talk and like uh, update me on what's happening in her life and stuff like that. And I was really worried because I thought that she was just going to start staring at me again because I didn't know, like, what's going on? Like, why would you want to talk with me or not even really talk with me, ask me a question, and then stare at me? Like, I don't know. I don't get this. Why would, but I said, okay. And so we're chatting, and I'm just completely surprised because she tells me she's a Christian. And we never did like a sinner's prayer. We never did like a thing like that. We never talked about those things. I, I just kind of chatted with her about what, what are your hurts in life? What are your desires in life? What are your dreams? What are your passions? Like, what do you want to do? Because whatever it is, God can fulfill that. He's that big. And so we're talking about all these things, and then she tells me, I've become a leader in the underground church in my country, and I've been evangelizing people in my country, and I've, I've been bringing them to church. And she's like, I, I listen to sermons all the time, and I've been listening to you all the time, and I've been just growing in my faith. And I'm just like, what? You've just been staring at me for years. Like, what are you talking about? You, like, you just have questions, and you stare at me. Like, it's weird. But here's the thing. We do this every Sunday. We talk through the word of God, we're sowing seed, and hopefully we're sowing seed all the time, that it's not just reserved for a time like this, that 
In Mark 4, we're told about sowing seed, that when we sow, some fall along the path and birds eat it, some fall on rocky ground, some fall on thorns, and then some actually falls on really good soil. We just don't know, though. So we need to cast that bread out. We need to throw that bread out. Who knows what's happening to it, but, but we're told that it comes back. And when it does, it is an awesome, awesome thing. You know, over the past 18 years of pastoral ministry, I've endured a lot of headache, a lot of heartache, a lot of it. And as I get older, it doesn't get any easier because along with my body, I'm just getting more achy. And so all those things are just happening and they're accumulating. And there are times I've wanted to quit this ministry because people make being a pastor absolutely miserable. And I absolutely hate it. And I'm like, why in the world would I do this for people? Why, why do I have to put up with this stuff, God? Like, why, why can't I just go out and get a paycheck and then go home and hang out with my family? I got to deal with all this junk. But here's the thing. It's also the people that make this thing so worth it, that make it so great, so awesome. Um, we hired Billy uh, a couple months ago, but Billy and I go pretty far back. And um, Billy, as an outreach pat, uh, director, has been just such a blessing. I, I love Billy like a brother, and that's like literal, literally like a brother. Because in my family, he's known as Uncle Billy to my kids. It's been that since my kids were born. Like, this is Uncle Billy. And so they're like, oh, Dad, how come he's so much bigger than you? Like, you're so much smaller. Like, why? I thought you're brothers. Like, what's going on? And so every time I've been discouraged and I've wanted to quit and every time I think like, man, it's not worth it. This thing's not worth it. It's not worth doing this. I'm reminded of this bread that I've casted out, all my bao that I've casted out, you know, like that's Chinese bread for those of you who don't know. And, and how I received this big loaf of bread back from Ireland. Like it, like it, like it returned to me that I got this big Irish soda bread loaf back. Like, like it's just, <laughs> that there's nothing better in life than, the, than to see God transform the lives of people that you absolutely love. There's nothing better than that, nothing. But we can't experience that if we don't cast the bread out. You, won't, you can't get a return unless you cast it out. See, God's word does not come back void. In Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You keep casting the bread out. Keep throwing it out there. His word never comes back void. You cast it. You go for it. Your resources, your gift, your knowledge, your time, your life. I need to speed this thing up because that was only one verse. So let's, let's go. Verse 2. Give a portion to seven or eight or even to eight for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. What is this verse talking about? This verse is essentially what all financial advisors tell you to do, right? Diversify. Diversify. That's like... Everyone says that. I would like to meet one that says, like, don't diversify. I'm like, okay, I need to listen to you. Because everyone says the same thing. Anyway, you spread out the risk. Right? You spread out the risk. You don't put all your eggs in one basket because if you fall, it's all gone. And so 
just in, say, a context of sharing the gospel. Knowing that not everyone's going to receive it. You're going to share it to, like, a bunch of people. And when we share the good news of Jesus, it's not the same formula for every person that you encounter. Different people have different hurts. They have different needs. They have different views of God. And you got to meet them where they're at. It's not simply just trying to get them to recite these words of a sinner's prayer and then you think that they're saved. It's getting to know those people. And so Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. It's not all. Diversify. Verse 3, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Here's the thing. You can't wait for conditions to be perfect. You can't wait for everything to kind of line up for you. Things happen. The inevitable happens. It rains. Trees fall down and they get in the way of people's paths. Things happen. And you can't allow these inevitabilities of life to stop you from living life. If it rains, grab your coat and grab your boots and head out. If there's a tree on the path that is in your way, climb over it or around it or under it or whatever that song or poem, however that goes. But do your loved ones know that they are on an adventure with you? That there are things that are not going to stop you from living your life. That if it's a rainy day, it doesn't stop you. That if there's a tree on the road, it doesn't stop you. That you're going to keep going. You're going to keep trucking for them. Verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Along those lines, you can't let the unknown paralyze you. There are a lot of things that you just don't know. So that farmer who goes out there and does not sow seed because he's doubting these weather patterns, and so he, he doesn't think, you know, if I throw this seed out, none of it's going to land, and none of it's going to take root because it's too windy, or the clouds are coming, it's going to rain, it's going to wash everything away. And the thing is, you will never get a harvest if you don't sow. It can't happen. And so it's going to rain. So I, I can't plant. I can guarantee you one thing. You won't reap anything if you don't plant. So the unknown, the uncertainty, all those types of things, you kind of have to go. You can't wait for ideal conditions. You got to be able to go through those things. Because how many opportunities have we lost because we've been paralyzed by uncertainty? And perhaps... Your view of God is too small. Maybe your faith is weaker than you thought it was. Because there are all these wonderful waves out there that are waiting to carry you on this amazing ride. But how often do we not paddle out because conditions just aren't right? 
And then you just find out later on, man, I missed a great day of surf because my dear friends did go out and they told me how awesome it was. I grew up in Southern California. Uh, I didn't surf, but I did bodyboard with all my friends. We were into bodyboarding more than surfing. I lived about 35 minutes away from the beach, so when we were able to drive, me and my friends, after school, we'd always go down to the beach and we'd go bodyboarding. We'd, we'd do this all the time. Um, and so um, I try to calculate how many times I've done this, and I, I think it's quite literally thousands thousands of times that I've, I've been bodyboarding. And during that entire time of me doing bodyboarding of thousands of waves, there are only a few waves of like epic proportions where it's just like after the ride, you're like, that was awesome. That was fantastic. And out of thousands, it's just a handful of them. You can't say like hundreds. Like it's, there's only been a handful of them. So I wonder if how many times I should have just ditched out on school instead, like catch more waves. But Are we making the most of the opportunities that are out there for us? Because they're there. The opportunities are all there. But then that uncertainty creeps in, and sometimes it paralyzes us from moving forward on things. There, there are some people who have been called to do things at the church like Billy, and he's been leading us forward with ministering to refugees and ministering to homeless. And for those of you who are on board with that, thanks. I, it's great. We, we love it. But we're not saying like that's the only calling. But that's just kind of the direction that the church is going. And so if some of you may have other callings, you have other desires and passions that aren't necessarily kind of aligned with where the church is going, and I just want to encourage you to not let the church stop you, to go for it. Go, go do those things. Cast that bread out. That, that maybe God's calling you to start something yourself or with a team of people. That it doesn't have to be like a church-endorsed thing. Go, go do it. And all we can do is what we can, when we can, where we are with what we have. It's just now. That's all we can do. And if, if we're not in alignment at the moment, it doesn't mean that one is wrong and, and one is right. It doesn't mean that at all. Go with what God has placed on your heart and don't let the uncertainties stop you. Go for it. Chapter 11 is um, one of the reasons why I respect Pastor Steve so much. Because he is embodying this. Right? He, he's casting out bread. He's diversifying. He's not waiting for perfect conditions. He's not letting the unknown paralyzing, uh, paralyze him. He's, he's going for it. He's, he's showing his family this life of adventure with God. Now, I am really bummed out for us because he's leaving us to be a lead pastor in June in Davis. And, but I'm, I'm really, really happy for him. I'm super happy for that church in Davis because they are getting a wonderful, great pastor. He's doing awesome things for the kingdom. He's going to be doing awesome things for the kingdom there. Now, we announced this last week, so if this is a surprise to you, this just tells you you need to be at church more often, okay? So, verse 5. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. This is about mystery. This is mysterious. Things are just mysterious. Some things we just don't know about. 
the thing is, is that we can't let that lack of answer stop us. That we need to keep moving forward. There are just things in life that we'll just never know, that they are just mysterious. And if you're the type of person that just has to know everything before you move forward, you're going to be really frustrated. Because just some things in life you just don't have answers to. And we are called to be people of faith and to live as people of faith. So having faith means that you're not going to have all the answers before you. And life is going to be moving along with or without you. And if you aren't moving with God, you're probably missing out on these wonderful opportunities. All the great stuff that he's created. Now you and I are in the dark about a lot of things. But God knows. He knows everything. And no one is better to follow than the person who knows everything. Now don't you think that the creator of life knows how to really enjoy it? Because we have this idea that, oh, God just wants you to be locked in a closet and pray all day and then come out on Sunday and then go back to your closet and pray again and whatever. Don't enjoy things like just live this way. And that's not God at all. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You can live life to the fullest. We weren't created just to survive life or to endure life. Abundant life. Created for the abundant life, to enjoy it. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This is about perseverance. This is about resilience. Day or night, season, in season, out of season, just keep at it. And just because some of you may be a little bit older and not as spry as you once were, doesn't mean that God's done with you. To try new things, to keep going, to keep serving God, to keep growing, to keep learning. You'll you'll never know what you're going to succeed at or when you're going to succeed at something unless you try. See, we can't experience those breakthroughs in life without taking some risks. Light is sweet And it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. It's telling us to rejoice. That life is beautiful. That it should be celebrated. To enjoy the temporary time we have in these physically bodies that are breaking down. But we do have eternity. That our citizenship is in eternity. It's somewhere else. It's not in this finite place. And that many days of this finite place can be dark. That we will experience these dark days. But rejoice in what we do have. Enjoy what we do have. Rejoice, O young men, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Rejoice. Be cheerful. This this is worth celebrating. Life is worth living. Be free. Now, he's not saying living life under the sun free. Under the sun, code word for living without God. He's not saying that. He's saying do this with God. Live your life with God. Living in freedom from things that aren't going to keep you in bondage. To be set free from living under the bondage of addiction. 
or the other things that these city team guys are experiencing. That we, as followers of Jesus, can truly enjoy things to a greater level because we know the Creator who created all of it, who created that wonder, who created that beauty. See, God is not anti-happiness. He created all this wonderful stuff. Like, have you been to Muir Woods or have you been out to the ocean lately or Yosemite or like he, he made all these beautiful things or the, your special someone he made that person remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity what is this saying this is saying chill out Relax. Some of you guys are just full of anxiety and just trying to like live lives crazy. Remove vexation from your heart. And here's the thing. This advice is actually given to youth. He's telling the youth, relax. But realize that there's a deadline. And I think as we get older, we realize that that deadline is coming up. And so I think he's warning those youth because the youth tend to want to grow up a lot faster than they want than they actually are, right? Like my pre-adolescent daughter wants to be an adult. And I don't know where that magic age is. I think it's around 30 that you start thinking like, slow down, like don't go any quicker, like shoot another white hair, like, you know, things like that. Put away pain from your body, verse 10. Enjoy life. Live that adventurous life with God. Life is more than just survival and enduring We know that the future is unsure, but we do know that God is in control. We do know that he cares and he's dealing with things within us right now. And for us to thrive and to flourish, he calls us to obedient, faithful action, even when things are uncertain, even when things are less than ideal, that he's still God. So knowing he's God, enjoy life. Enjoy his love for us. Enjoy that he cares for us. That you can risk casting out bread because he's God. He owns all of it. So go for it. And that we can diversify this stuff because we're not risking things that aren't going to be coming back to us. He's going to provide things back for us. To, To be wise with what we're given and not wait for conditions to be perfect to move forward with things. To not let the unknown paralyze us. To know that life is mysterious and we have to persevere. We have to be resilient about it. And rejoice in it. Enjoy life. Be cheerful about it. And relax. But you can only do these things with God. You can't do these things under the sun. Because there is a time when all of this ends. And if you're doing life without God, if you're living life under the sun, your life is just vanity. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your word and spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fill us to the full, to make an impact in this world that is what you desire and that is of your will. We pray for the miraculous to continue to happen. We are seeing it right before our eyes as we are ministering to the homeless and to the refugee community. Um, It's a fantastic thing. I pray, God, that we are not fearful at all uh, to cast out bread, that we 
we do that often and that we hear these wonderful stories returning back to us and seeing what you're doing out there even though we don't know about it. So thankful for mothers, God, that so often they are the ones who carry those words of encouragement, who carry those prayers with, with them for us. And we pray, God, that um, you would bless them. And again, God, I want to lift up those who are having a strange relationship with their mothers that, that is moving into a direction of reconciliation and restoration. And God, I also want to lift up those who are desiring to have uh, children and having challenges in doing that right now. Um, God, would you value them, that, uh, show them how valuable they are to our community, that they are um, not less than because they don't have a child. But that being said, God, it is um, a painful process and a painful feeling to go through. And so I do ask, God, for your encouragement uh, to be upon them and for you to uh, be the lifter of their head. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>